I'm just trying to have my business, you know, sell enough product that I can uh, fund racing again. And, uh, you know, you, let me do a quick shout out to some of these brands here before I, uh, okay. So I can uh, maybe get some more sales from this, right? So I can get yeah. back to the racetrack here. So I got it written down so I don't forget them all on my website here. Uh, I'll go through, I got motorsports brands alphabetically. Uh, I got about 23, I think it's 24 now, 24 motorcycle part brands. So Akasato, braking parts. I got uh, Akrapovic or Akrapovic, uh, Slovenian exhaust, Bonamici Racing for hard parts. Um, they have like rear sets and handlebars. Carizola, I think you might have those, those Apex 6 rims from Cormoto, those, uh, uh, maybe I'm not saying that right. Carizoria. Um, Dude, don't even try to get me to say that. Italian, those right? Are the, those are the brand that uh, Luke took over. Yeah, so now they're kind of changing it into the Apex 6 brand, yeah. but they still have the rights to the, the Carizoria Italian yeah. Uh, rims. Carizoria, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know how to the right pronunciation, honestly, although I sell it. Um, Cormoto Braking Lines now. Uh, Discaciti Racing is a brand new one we just got. Uh, a lot of Italian sport bike parts. Um, DNA air filters, I think those are from Greece. We have Driven Racing, so a lot of hard parts again. Um, easy Grip Tank Grips for the inside of your legs. Um, we got the IRC components. So IRC makes quick shifters, auto blippers, um, everything to make you help make every shift go faster. That Kriga, which is a European apparel brand. M4 Performance Exhaust Systems is my number one bestseller. Really? Um, definitely. It's been flying off the shelf for exhaust. Um, we, there's about 300 or so different models to choose from, from stainless steel, carbon fiber, and titanium. Um, Slip-ons, full exhaust systems, headers. Um, we also have Moto D Racing, which has tire warmers, stands, bike mats, which are sweet. Uh, also, uh, if you ever use those famous pit bull restraints. They also have their own line of trailer restraints, which are very good. Um, we use them. Yeah, Motul suspension setup tools, uh, which helps set your sag and sets your suspension settings in a nice uh, little tool so you can get save all your settings. It's got a Bluetooth, goes straight to your phone. Um, and as you know, setting your sag usually takes three people, one person to set the bike, one person to measure, measure one person sit on the bike. Well, this one, you can do it all with one tool. So it uh, helps garages and just racers or street riders. Anything with a chain, you can use it on. Um, brand new brand is Mupo Steering Dampers. They also have Mupo makes suspension parts, but I don't think we actually have the suspension components yet. We just have the steering dampers. Um, OGO Power Sports, all the bags and gear bags and things. Uh, don't have the lifestyle brand for OGO, but just the Power Sports line. Spark Exhausts from Italy as well. Uh, Starlane Electronics is something that I just bought myself. I got a GPS lap timer. Um, it's a data logger that you can hook up sus uh, suspension potentiometers to and different brake pressure and throttle you know, pressures and all that. Um, and a bunch of the models, you can have a direct link into your motorcycle. So for it's a and it hooks up right into your ECU, so it gets all that data straight from the bike. Um, so it's bike specific for some of the lap timers. Uh, Revit, motorcycle apparel, so all the suits and gloves and 
all the great gear that they have. They have a lot of off-road and touring gear as well. Um, Roland Sands Designs, a very famous gear brand. I don't have their parts, but I do have their gear. Um, Rucka, Rocker are both European apparel brands and uh, WRP Works Racing Parts, uh, brake pads. And they have, uh, they have other items as well, but we just have the brake pads for right now. So those are the, the, the main 24 brands I'm working with. Um, actually just bought them, dude. There's a lot of them, man, and I didn't even say them all. Um, there's you, another. You're gonna do like a. You're gonna do a website so people can just order stuff from you, or yep, you're gonna so, rely on the email thing. So what I do is I have uh, I have my own website, ericswanracing.com, and you can buy from me at shopesr.com. I also sell on eBay and Amazon, and sometimes Craigslist, like local marketplaces and Facebook marketplace. But the biggest one right now comes from. Amazon and eBay, and then my website's probably third because it, you know, there's already hundreds of millions of customers on those two marketplaces. So I got to go where the people are. Right. I'm doing this podcast to help bring people to my website and uh, kind of create a an audience. So, so we um, need to get up Yosef and attack and become an attack dealer. No, that's an that's an option. I don't remember if I sent them a, a proposal, but um, man, right now. With all the brands that I have, I already have so much work I can't take on anybody else for the next year and a half, two I don't even know how long. It's going to take years to get all that stuff online. I hope not. I hope it's weeks. But um, uh, just been plugging away. You know, I am in a little bit of a unique situation because I'm doing it out of my basement. I don't have any brick and mortar. I don't have um, a massive warehouse. So most of it's dropship based. And uh, that way... I can actually sell these parts instead of having a massive uh, investment of hundreds of thousands of dollars to store this inventory. I can't afford that. It'd be, I wouldn't be able to do this. I, I, I definitely hear you on that, you know. So good to talk to you today, Raul. Um, it's uh, the ericswanracing.com podcast, uh, number 73 or so. And today we've got Raul Herrera. Um, I think you're a local Michigan guy, guy in the, in the region, and uh, you're a racer with Wera and uh, been racing uh, at least a couple of rounds that I know of, Pittsburgh and Granton, Nelson Ledges, it sounds like. I don't know if you were able to, uh, to get to the GNF this year. Um, <laughs> I was not. No, I had um, transmission issues, so I couldn't make it down there. Yeah, so I'm just looking to help... Uh, promote people, talk to you for a little bit, get your story, and, uh, you know, maybe other people can help learn from you. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's the plan. We need more racers out there. So you've been uh, a race fan for many years, and you just, uh, when, when did you start racing? So I started racing, this is my fourth year racing, but this is the actual year that I, I really took it to heart, and I did a, a full series in the North Central region. Okay. Um, but yeah, I used to do Grattan only because it was my home track. It was right there. Sure. And I started that three years ago. I got introduced to racing by John Trotman. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I used to call him the sensei, man. He uh, he got me set up. He, he allowed me to pit next to him. He helped me with the most daunting task or what I thought was the most daunting task, which is safety wiring. Oh, yeah. Bike. 
<laughs> Everybody that's, that's the worst thing uh, and it, it is difficult you got to drill all those bolts and put wire through them and tie them up just the right way so you, you don't lose a bolt here and there but um yeah, yeah. with some help from experienced people it's not too bad oh he he made it a breeze i mean and he had the right tools you know like he actually had a drill press so this is all he did and it was done right and i was i broke like 15 drill bits before <laughs> i was like hey man i need help <laughs> <laughs> for sure and now uh they even offer bolts already pre-drilled uh in some instances yeah. so you can just buy them that way and there might be a couple of dollars more but it saves you the headache i would have paid for it if i knew about him but yeah. again i mean you don't know what you don't know and he's an old school racer so to him it's like oh i just drill him you know and it's sure. fine <laughs> so uh you've been uh doing the wear a novice i have yeah mm -hmm. and uh are you uh have you achieved enough status in novice racing to move up to expert next year, you think? I did, actually. Um, it's funny enough, because I know you just had a podcast with Eric Garcia. So yeah. Eric, uh, is, he's my nemesis. That's what I call him. <laughs> Our uh, tribal. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we really had a, a good rivalry going uh, for actually a couple of years. Um, there's a few videos out, out there of uh, me beating him and then him beating me back. Um, but yeah, this year, actually, me and him tied in points for the actual North Central uh, Championship, but he did, he was consistent as heck, so he got a lot more wins, so he took it. So he got first, and I'm pretty confident I got second. That's On awesome, this, man. Super stock, to be specific. Mm -hmm. That's great. And uh, so you're riding in the uh, 600 class, you got a Yamaha? I do. This is my first year with a Yamaha, so... Um, People always, uh, they pick on me because I used to be a Honda guy, yeah. but uh, lo and behold, I mean, I was running great times and I was, you know, I plenty of corner speed, but when it came to a straightaway, people would just walk away from me. So uh, I switched this year to a Yamaha to be a little bit more competitive and it, it paid out. It seems like uh, that's what most of the field's on is the Yamaha. Um, I was always, I always wanted to be a little different. I don't want to be on the same bike as everybody else. I want to be like, I was a Kawasaki guy for many years and then I switched over to Triumph. Um, yeah, yeah, those machines are amazing. So Kawis are good, you know, they, they have a little bit more CCs and whatnot, but um, very good bike. Uh, as long as you had an extra tranny, that's what I hear. Yeah, for sure. That's the problem. I, uh, I, I had some issues myself and, uh, you know, it cost me some races because I couldn't compete or it was, there was a couple of times where I didn't, I couldn't shift from third back into second. So I could shift up just fine, but then I would just keep it third and higher for a couple of races because I was like, well, I'm going to still compete. I'm just going to lose out a couple of tenths a lap, but yeah. uh, you do what you can. Yeah. I experienced that a little bit when I lost uh, a tooth on second gear. So I know exactly what you felt. Yeah. <laughs> It's frustrating. And then I tried to fix it myself one time and I did, it held up for like two races and then it broke again. I was like, ah, oh, crap. That's, that's the problem. You know, I love learning how to do things myself, but if it's that important that you can't race, it's like, ah, I wish I would have just paid someone to do it. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, do you do most of your work or do you, uh, do you hire that out to uh, more experienced professionals? Um, I tend to do most of my work, but this specific uh, tranny issue that I'm having, right? I actually had Kyle from Rapid Cycle help me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. Local guy out of West Michigan. Great. Um, so we actually had to crack open the case. It's just one gear that broke a tooth. So 
I don't have the right tools. You know, he has the experience, so it'll, it'll be a little bit more of an in and out. Yeah. Um, for that kind of stuff, I'm like, okay, let's. It makes sense to have him do it. For By sure. the time I actually get the tools, invest the time, don't get the torque down right. Yeah. I am going to make it even worse. You may you like miss about, one small clip and you, it's all toast. Pretty much, yeah. So I mean, like a valve check, I've done. I actually had a, a good buddy of mine. His name is Jacob Brown. That kid is book smart out the wasu he has some good experience um he taught me how to do a, a valve check so i appreciated that but other things like the basic maintenance like spark plugs you know chains sprockets i tend to do that myself yeah uh with a couple of youtube videos you can figure most of that out oh my god yes and the manual people don't realize like the manual is a really good bible for motorcycles yeah. mm -hmm. so you just go with the the basic oem uh dealer manual and that's pretty much good enough um i'm not sure if it's the basic oem dealer i just download them i mean yeah. you, you can find anything online and it has everything step by step um with the honda i replace an engine just literally reading uh replace a clutch clutch basket and a whole lot of other things so the manual is it has plenty of information the, like the big 200 plus page manual yeah not the little one they give you like hey here you go here's like this 20 book page yeah your bike yeah like how to turn on the bike and where the kill switch is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh you said you're a race fan so you've been watching uh different series like uh sports car or formula one things like that uh world Superbike. yeah so uh follow moto gp just because it's it's great um you know this this year well last year and this year we all know it has been different since uh you know mark marquez has been out of the out of the loop and he's just coming back. So it was really exciting to watch. Uh, World SBK, amazing. I started following World SBK on the last two years. Uh, and it was kind of boring because Jonathan Ray was just on top, right? It's a Jonathan Ray show, but not anymore. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. This year has just been amazing. And I'm actually just restarting to watch, uh, not restarting, but started to watch the 600 the super sport class oh yeah so i can actually just take notes see some writing styles um and hopefully you know replicate some of the some of the things that pros are doing heck yeah you know i think uh it's underestimated how much you can learn from just watching the sport and just picking up what the broadcasters are saying whether looking at body position or the new technology that's coming out or how they're writing or the braking styles um it's like oh wow i could i could try to do that too replicate that uh make my body position look like theirs um yeah. i think it's really interesting and it's very helpful and if you're watching the 600 class look out for dominique agater um oh, man, i podcasted with him and he became the world champion uh for this wow. this year so i got a world champion uh on my podcast so far that's amazing man <laughs> yeah i'm watching him um him um I can't think of his name, but number four right now, um, Odendale, I think it is. Yeah. He was his biggest competition uh, in the beginning. I'm only in round three, just finishing up the Italy round. So um, I, I do know the outcome with Argerty, uh, right? But the, the racing is just, it's like watching a 300 class yeah. in the world super sport. They're all so close together. It's like yeah. they're drafting and passing just like the three, four hundreds are the lightweight class. And uh, yeah, it's, it's bar banging action from start to finish. It is, man. I'm realizing that. I mean, when I, when I see what they do with their motorcycles, I'm like, oh man, I need, I need to man up and just get some coconuts and just 
block pass. <laughs> you got to realize though that they've been doing that for a decade or longer at, yeah. at a professional level. You know, it's yeah. not like um, they just started last week. <laughs> True story. <laughs> um, and when they crash, they got a whole team usually ready to fix it for them. Yeah, yeah it's a little bit risk different situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, risk reward. So that's that. To me, is more of a I don't want to get hurt too bad that I have to step away from the sport um you know the, the fixing you can do it I mean in hindsight it's not that expensive it hurts more emotionally yeah and financially but at the end of the day no nobody wants to crash no it's a uh, part of it though uh you've been down a couple of times yeah <laughs> what's that like um well I've been down on the streets and I've been down on the track as you know um on the track I mean, duct tape, some zip ties, and you're back out there. Yeah. Um, so the first time I ever went down was actually in Gingerman Raceway. Okay. So I'm going to sympathize here with Jeff Oberry here. And <laughs> me and that track just don't get along. <laughs> where did you crashed, go down? Um, it was turn two. So it's a funny story. It was my very, I think I want to say my first or second year riding the track. It was my first year. So I... I did a handful of track days. By the end of the season, I got bumped up to I. And I put my bike away. I was like, yeah, I made it to I. Next year is going to be amazing. I, like, for people who don't know, intermediate is, uh, it goes novice, intermediate, advanced, usually for track days. Absolutely. Yeah, it was sport bike track time. Um, so I, I got bumped up to I, and I thought I was done for the season. Well, it turns out that I ran into um, Detroit's private uh, track day in i think september late september and i was like oh there's one more track day i quickly got my stuff together and i i made it out there on the monday well lo and behold i go out there and they it was a small group so they put novices in one group and then intermediate and advanced in their own group so i was out there you know like when you get bombed from the novice group to the intermediate group you're like i made it i'm in a big difference huge difference and you know you you just your ego gets a little bloated here um well I was out there and I was like oh that guy's going fast I can keep up with him <laughs> well kind of right <laughs> well turn to first session lap number three I was pushing with a guy who came off of warmers you know had experience and just what the front washed out and I tumbled yeah um my first thought was like, oh, man, I hope nobody saw that. <laughs> but a lot of people did. Um, I went back out, duct taped the bike, and um, and I was able to get back out there. It just the confidence was not there, of course. And by the end of the day, I was like, man, I just feel like my tires are not sticking. Well, when I put my bike away thinking I was done, I inflated my tires to like back to street pressures because oh, no, that was my yeah. street bike yeah yeah so that's really what it was my tires were just cold overinflated. um i didn't do any of the normal checkups that i would do now back then and it sounds like you maybe weren't on warmers i was not i mean i was a novice guy just bumped up to intermediate so i mean that was just that was new to me i didn't even know that existed to be honest right. with you yeah, yeah, and that's how, uh, unfortunately, you have to learn sometimes. You can learn from other people's mistakes, so you don't have to make those same ones. So hopefully people can learn from that. But, you know, I started without warmers. I started, I didn't have stands. I had my kickstand mm -hmm. on still, you know. And, uh, and yeah, overinflation of tires will get you uh, falling down pretty quick. Um, you got to check your tire pressures 
I usually did it before every session and then after every session. Right. You're checking your tire pressure like 15, 20 times a day. And most people don't do that if they're just a track day person. Well, it's funny. Now, nowadays, I check my pressure in the morning when they're off warmers. And then I check them after session number two, usually when I know I can put in some decent laps. And I make it a point to not check them again unless I'm really like getting some spinning on the rear or I'm losing the front. Just so I don't get in my own head and start just, well, this PSI and that PSI. You know, if, the, if you wake up and it's 60 degrees and then by two o'clock is like, 80 some or 90 degrees that's a huge difference so i will check again in the afternoon sure but i make it a point to just check twice or maybe three times yeah because i used to be like just tire pressure tire pressure tire pressure and you just got in your own head yeah for sure everybody's got their own style and their Absolutely. own way of doing things um and so you've been doing most of the north central re region rounds um you're still going down to road atlanta for the cycle jam um, I want to go. Um, I, I had a few goals this year, right? Aside from racing, and that is visiting different tracks. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've been to Wisconsin, Road America. Um, I went actually down to um to Texas, you know, Circuit of the Americas, got to go down there as well. Yeah. Um, and then I've been to ACC uh in addition to the North Central places, which is Audubon Country Club down in Illinois. Uh, and I'm trying to think where else. Pit race is just amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually, uh, new configuration with the uh, extra loop uh, down down the south course. It used to be yeah. just the north course. Yeah, I never I never did pit race before. I actually met you in pit race. Um, oh yeah, many years ago, probably probably twenty. No, no, it was 14? no, it was this year. You oh, were this year, yeah. You were, yeah, you were working uh, um, the flags. You were a corner worker. I know yeah, that for track marshal. Yep, uh, in GNF. So we yep. briefly say hi and uh, uh, next to the barbecue spot and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, getting some food. Yeah, but, but you're famous, so I'm not. So <laughs> I remember you. You won't remember me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do remember the interaction. We were eating some food. I think got some like uh, a smoked brisket or something. Yep, there you go. Yep, that one. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was a good time. And that was a great uh, weather weekend. We didn't have any um, major downpours like the barber event. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I actually got on the broadcast at that event. I was uh, I was working turn. Was it? Uh, forget the turn name. Man, it was uh, coming down the hill um, and going back up. Uh, there's a big uh, right-hander down there. And Wyatt Ferris had crashed. He high-sided and his bike caught on fire. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Moto America that. round. And uh yeah, it was nuts. The, the bike just was engulfed in flames in two seconds. And I was the first responder to that fire. And he was doing this motion, like, give me the fire extinguisher. And he had his full <laughs> suit on. So I just, you know, handed it to him, uh, you know, and then I, and I can't do anything because I'm just watching the fire burn. Right. Um, it's like, well, what do you do now? <laughs> <laughs> just wait for it to cook. <laughs> just wait for it. And then uh, the, we had another track marshal. He was running out with a second fire extinguisher. He used his full bottle and it was you know, both bottles are empty now and we're just calling for race control. We need something bigger than this. We need a bigger <laughs> boat. <laughs> Man, that must have been, uh, and people don't realize when something's burning, it is hot. You can't just oh, yeah. walk up to it and say, hey, let me put this out. Let me stomp on it. Like, mm -mm. yeah, it's hundreds of degrees. And, you know, I, at a certain point, I'm wondering, like, how, sh how close should I be to this fire? Like, could something be exploding? Am I in, da am I in danger trying to help this guy out? 
you know yeah. everybody's um, brave until you're in that situation where you're like what do i do <laughs> yeah and it was it was uh i think it was near the start of the race so the pack was fairly close together so we didn't really have to worry about you know more bikes coming through okay. it was uh, we, so we didn't really have to worry about that aspect but um anytime you're racing you're on you're on the side of the track you're like well i got probably less than 45 seconds between before another bike comes through here or less if they're yeah. in the front of the pack or you know they could be mid-race and now the whole pack is lapping each other and and there's no gaps yeah. um, there might be 10 second gaps and that's all you got um so you're always talking to race control or they say oh you got a gap you got 10 seconds here bikes at turn one you're at turn four you know <laughs> You better move quick don't fall don't trip <laughs> oh yeah so but i like it it's um being a track marshal is a uh, way to give back to the racing community and uh, that way i would have never met you at the racetrack probably at uh at pittsburgh so it's cool to to be there and be a part of the community and uh making a little bit of money on the side you know it's not really a full-time paying job but uh it's cool to help out Absolutely. I also see you're uh, applying to be a marshal over at the uh, F1 race in uh, Miami. Heck yeah. So I don't know if I'll be accepted, but um, I applied to it to the F1 GP 2022 uh, in May. So it'd be, I think, the early May. Um, and so I've never worked a Formula One or a car event, but I'd like to add that to my resume. Um, you know, I have an opportunity to do IMSA as well, but IMSA doesn't pay and Formula One doesn't pay either. So it's like, uh, it'd be cool to do, but I don't know if I'm not going to keep doing that probably. Okay. I mean, it's an experience. So you, you have to try at least, you know, once. Yeah. See how they operate. Cause every organization is different. I've done CCS, Wera and Moto America so far. I'll be doing Arma in a couple of weeks with, uh, at Daytona for the vintage fest. Oh, yeah. um, so every organization is different and every racetrack is a different company. So they're all very different. Um, I hear like Autobahn, people don't like to work at Autobahn as a corner worker <laughs> because they just are really, I don't know. I've never worked there, so I can't really say, but um, that's what I've heard. There's, you know, rumors and gossip and that's the whole, in the whole, whole nine yards uh, going all these different places. But, um, it's cool to see uh, how they operate and the behind the scenes of things, the radio communication is always so interesting. Uh, you get to hear like who's, who's screwing up like, Oh, rider so-and-so is on and off again, rider so-and-so. Um, off in turn three, back on, you know, or cut the blend line or um, made a dangerous pass in turn three. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. we report all that stuff and we tell race control. So they make the decision. We just say what happens, you know. Um, Why do you say that? I actually got uh, from one of my races um, in which Eric and I actually were, were dicing it out a little. Um, I asked for the raw audio of the we had i think chris miller is his name he was uh Charles miller yeah yeah so he was being the commentator and i think he did a great job right so i'm like hey man can i can i get the audio and he was like absolutely and he did mention in his email hey just so you know don't share some of the background stuff and and the audio was really raw so i mean i got, I got to hear a little bit of the conversation and i was like oh that's that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes it's pretty funny um, like there's always, there's always a problem child It might not actually be a child, but there's always a problem person at the track who's like yeah. doing things wrong, or maybe they're brand new. Like we had somebody brand new. I don't even remember who it was to, to mention them, but a brand new racer, first time out, a uh, young, young kid at, uh, at Blackhawk. And that was my first corner working event. And this kid, he stopped on the track a couple times. 
um, like didn't quite understand the right procedures. I think he um, he there was a red flag and he kept going. Um, <laughs> Like just didn't understand the right things to do. And so we, we talked to, I didn't talk to him, but race control talked to him a couple of different times, like not angry with them, but like, just, you got to explain what to do and what not to do. And there's, there's safety things that you cannot stop on the racetrack. It's not okay. Was that a racer? It was a racer. It was a new racer, just starting out like lightweight class or something. But just, yeah, that, that can get a little, <clears throat> yeah, it can get dicey. Yeah, so, I mean, but hey, it's, it's part of the sport, you know, I mean, as, as long as he's somebody that you can approach and tell him, hey, man, you don't stop on the red flag, you actually kind of like keep going. Yeah, and they take it, you know, the right way. It's, it's all good, right? Nobody yeah. knows everything. So it's a everybody. learning uh, environment. It's a teaching moment. It is. It is. Oh. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's not it's you want somebody who's coachable, you know, receptive of what you're telling them you never want to get the uh the super pro guy who's like oh man i i knew that i just didn't want to keep going or whatever right yeah you got to be uh uh, coachable as well absolutely yeah so uh but what's been on your mind man uh anything you wanted to talk about um no just getting ready for next season you know like i said i'm doing a lot of homework and and trying to learn a few things uh i'm getting bumped up to experts so that's that's going to be different on its own um the main thing that i actually got to figure out is how do i qualify and do good um i'm not a good qualifier at all like one one lap uh pace yeah unless it's the the actual race i'm not really like let's go gung-ho you know i I try that once and it didn't really work out for me (laughs) so i actually heard this podcast from um i forget who the person was but it was eddie Kraft who was in the podcast yeah he was so i worked with joe Kraft out of wishcraft motorsport right and somebody recommended that podcast probably uh raceline ministry you know what yeah it might have been with mark miracle Yep, met Mark. Amazing guy. Amazing guy. Um, but in the podcast, Eddie's saying that you just go. When you go out on a practice, sec- uh, you know, when it's practice time, go like it's the race. So when it's actual race time, you know, the disparity between your practice times and your actual race time is not that different. You have a good perspective. Well, I tried that at Nelson Ledges this year. <laughs> I went out there. I mean, um, it was just my first weekend there. So I did it Friday. So I was, I mean, I was doing all right. I was running like 13s for my first time, 12s, whatever, right? Yeah. Well, when I went in practice, I was running 10s. So I dropped like three seconds, right? So, I mean, I was just gone ho. Well, not everybody was, you know, not everybody heard that podcast, I guess. And uh, it came on the, on the carousel. I just came up too fast on somebody who was literally just closing their throttle and off I went. I fixated. It was my mistake. I probably could have slowed down, tipped it in a little bit more, whatever. You you find all the solutions after the crash. Yeah. Well, I went off and I was like, man, this, if I would have not gone, you know, that fast in my first practice sections, you know, like I, I would have been okay. So I got to work on that. Just when it's the first practice, go get warmed up. Second practice, just go. Um, there's this guy that's really, really good in qualifying. His name is uh, Foster Wagner Summer, I think. I'm okay. not sure how to say his name. Yeah. But um, 
he always he always does good when it's practice time, right? Even on the track day, he does amazing. You know, he's and, and I I don't sandbag, but I'm not as good as he is from the get go. You know, and in this past Grattan round, he was like, "Oh man, I'm going a little faster than you," and I'm like, "Oh man, you are." I'm like, "I'm in trouble." Yeah. Well, when the race came, you know, uh, luckily my pace was significantly faster than my practice time. You know, I was a little bit more consistent. He was on my ass. But regardless, I'm like, man, he's going to get bumped up. I'm going to get bumped up. I can't be starting behind him all the time because if he's consistent and I'm consistent, he's going to win it. For sure. You know, and what's uh, interesting about Wera is that uh, as far as I'm aware, in the expert class for regionals, they don't actually do qualifying. So you don't have to qualify for your starting position. That's based on uh, your points for the region. Um, so unless you're doing like a national 600 super stock, that's, I think the only qualifying that they do. Well, I think they might've changed that this year because I know a lot of people were qualifying this year and it was not the only national races that I went to were, um, pit race, I think. Um, and they did it in Nelson's that it had to be based on qualifying and they did it at Grattan as well. So. Well, that's cool. I like that they changed it because before it didn't really matter what practice uh, times you did when I was racing there. Yeah. So it's it's nice that they maybe changed it up a little bit. Yeah, for novice, I know it's points. At the end of the day, it's all points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Um, that way you can actually start based on your times instead yeah. of starting from the back of the grid if you have no points for the region. I'm not sure how I feel about it, honestly. but because I would do more more, uh, more rounds than some people. And I was like, yes, I'm starting from the you know front, regardless of my time. So yeah, yeah, gotta it's get different. used to it. It's different. Um, yeah, this way, I guess it makes it more like uh, professional racing uh, in that you have to qualify for a yeah. starting position. Uh, do you know if there's any cutoff time? Um, cutoff time as in? Like a hundred in the pro racing, I think is 107% for some classes or 110% of the fastest lap. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I think you have to be within a certain pace. So not that I'm aware of, you know, I mean, it's, it's regional racing. So you're going to have guys who, who've never been to a track, you know, I put myself, for example, in, in, in that role. I mean, I, I did fairly well whenever I went to a new track, I was able to catch up. I have good enough experience, enough track time that I got up to pace. But I mean, this year I was passing expert guys. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had that caught up, you know, time, I don't think you have as many racers as you, as you currently have, you know, a lot of people who are new to the track will be disqualified. So I'm happy that we don't have it right now. Yeah. I think that's good for amateur racing. That's fine. Um, and, uh, you know, I just talked to a guy, Dustin Coiner of track days, DAZ, and, uh, he's a, uh, track day owner, organized organizer, scheduler, Mm -hmm. and, uh, member of the CRA, as well organization racing organization out of the west coast there um and he was mentioning that they are going to be racing um amateur race at laguna seca this year uh for the first time in like 40 years so um he invited me out there to go race with them but i don't know if uh it sounds like an awesome opportunity but i had to get a flight and uh rent a bike out there and it'd be might be expensive but it sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity Hey man, that's how I ended up in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I went to see the MotoGP race and then, um, you know, got to ride that track on the Monday, the Aprilia day. And I mean, 
it was just uh, mind-blowing, you know, like, just to be able to ride the same track as the professionals, you know, like, and funny enough, I was like, I was like, oh, this is the bumps that we're complaining about, right? Yeah, you can feel them. <laughs> and I, I'm not even going a quarter of the speed that they're probably going, you know, but you can still feel them. But just to be able to understand what they're saying and feel it yeah, is, yeah. is you know, you can connect a little bit more with the sport. So, I mean, if you get a chance to go to Laguna, I mean. It's legends have raced there, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, I mean, it could be probably a couple hundred bucks to rent a bike. I don't know. Um, there's, I want to talk to the company who rents bikes on here and, and get a little bit more information about that. I think it's feel like a pro. They, they have like a fleet of bikes. You can okay. just rent, uh, rent out for track days and racing. Um, it sounds like it's a little bit cheaper than, you know, buying a, a $10,000 bike and, and getting a trailer. I have a trailer, but uh, you know, driving it all the way out there with the gas and the travel expense might be about the same as flying out there. More than that, it's literally just holding your body, man. It's it's a long drive. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I don't even know how many hours of driving that would be. Too many, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, for, yeah, for sure. So, uh, you got plans for this year coming up? What's your plans? Are uh, you gonna do all the North Central rounds this year? Your hope? Yeah, yeah, that's the hope. So, um, as you can see here, I got this sponsor, MC Power Sports. You know, uh, part of the plan is is just seeing what what I need this season you know that's 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 key in any racing you know you got to have a budget you got to figure out what do you need tires you know spare parts um you know how, how do they want you to promote them you know if they're still in it which um luckily they are um as far as the rounds definitely I want to do every single round that to me is just it, there's something about racing for me that is it fills my heart like I'm on the track almost every single weekend uh, and, you know, doing track days because I, I, I coach as well, but racing is just racing. You're out there. It's, it's a competitive environment, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you're all friends and you're talking about, man, I almost got you or, you know, how late, how late are you breaking? And you talk about lines and you keep improving. So I'm doing all of those rounds for sure. Try to hit maybe one or two new tracks. Okay this year uh ncm is one of them i really want to do that one and i want to do putnam okay putnam yeah that'd be a good one um and so shooting for any championships always man uh which, <laughs> which classes are you competing in uh, just the uh, 600s do you do 750s or 1000s too with that 600 yeah so I, I hope i'm not offending anybody by saying this but i i think if you do the c superbike c super stock you, you're really pushing yourself to to measure yourself against other fast riders because that is just the, the class that you're going to have some of the most experienced and faster guys. Um, a 750 class, you know, is literally everybody in the 600. You don't see a lot of people with 750s anymore. Very few, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's literally people who may not feel comfortable with the C super bike class or super stock. And they just say, well, the 750, there isn't that many people or it's newer people. Yeah. Um, but my goal is C Superbike, C Superstock, and uh, B Superstock. Okay. Uh, I know I can join the 1,000 classes, but at that point, I'm not measuring myself against people who are in the same uh, boat as me. Um, although I might join one of those races just to get, you know, some, some seat time in and some tracks. Sure. When I was first starting, uh, I, did, I did all six of them. Um, 
for, for a long time, every weekend and double headers do 12, you know, Oof. and that's a lot of racing, man. By, by the end of that, you are exhausted. And I, I found that there was actually one more I could have done. I could have done the formula one, but I, I decided not to seven was too many, <laughs> but six was fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's doable, but it's, it's, it's a lot, right? I mean, if you have a pit crew, I'm not sure if you had anybody helping you at that time. I mean, just a friend here and there with stands and tire warmers, maybe a change of tire here and there, and but that's, that's about it. That's a lot of help, believe it or not. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, that's a lot of racing, man. So no wonder you got so fast, so quick. Yeah. My, my thought was, you know, I, I know I didn't have the right bike to compete with them. I was on one bike. It was a stock 600 with, for all the classes. I didn't have multiple bikes. I was racing, but um, for me, it was, I was racing against guys like Eddie who had been racing for 10, 15 years at an expert level. I'm like, well, how the hell am I going to catch up to him? Well, if I do six races or 12 races a weekend and he does two, you know, I'm, I got six times the amount of uh, race, race seat, seat time um, under my belt that I'm accumulating quicker. So I found, you know, by the end of my races at the, on Sunday, I was just so exhausted. I couldn't ride the way I was riding on Friday. Uh, yeah, and you okay. had to ride differently and use different muscle groups. And I found that was really the way I was supposed to be riding in the first place. Um, so I changed my body style and riding style because I was exhausted. I realized that was the right way to do it. It's incredible what you can, how much less fatigue you are if you, if you, if you use the right muscles and you, you put your body the right way. Um, I remember one race that um, I was texting Joe Kraft, you know, he's really responsive via text, you know, and I was like, you know, he, he'll message me proactively and be like, hey, how's it going? Are you ready? And I'm yeah. like, man, I just did this. I'm feeling this, right? And I was feeling a lot of uh, vibration on the front and my rear was just picking up. And I told him, I was like, I just, I just feel like the bike is, is it's not turning, you know, I, I feel too much vibrations. And he was like, are you bending your elbows? I'm like, I don't know, Joe. I mean, I would assume that I am. He's like, go out, bend your elbows. That was all that it took. And my vibration went away. My bike was turning a lot more, you know, and it's not like this is, this is something that I know, right? This is something that I preach, but sometimes you just need that reminder. Hey man, body position, bend your elbows, just relax, look up. And it, it changes, you know, how much better your writing is, how much uh, less fatigue you are and things just go smooth. Oh yeah. So, I would yeah. highly recommend to, to get your suspension set up one time, get it all refreshed, get everything, you know, set up for your weight and your, your application, whether you're an uh, expert professional or novice, whatever your speed is, and mm -hmm. then don't touch it again for a while. Just go out and ride the bike and focus on you because that's what I did for many years. Uh, Joe actually was my suspension guy for the last couple rounds and last couple of years, I think 2014 and 15. And uh, one round at Pittsburgh at the old configuration, uh, I dropped like a second and a half from just a couple turns of what he told me to do. And I was, I was blown away by how much it helped. But, yeah. you know, sometimes you can make these tiny changes and it really does help. But I think most people... And, and novice and expert racing can just work on their own riding style and their body position and their line choice and how hard they're grabbing the brakes or getting on the throttle um, and how smooth you are um, is a big factor, more so than your suspension tuning. People get too in their head about the suspension tuning and forget about uh, the fundamentals. Yeah, um, you know, when it comes to suspension, I, I will always say, you know, you, you 
you will know when you need suspension because your bike is going to be bent out of shape. You're going to be like, holy crap, am I riding a Bronco? Like you will feel it, right? Your speed will eventually catch up with your lack of suspension. So for me, I was riding, I got bumped up through the groups and um, I, I didn't get suspension till I was in the advanced group. You know, prior to that, I was just riding the bike and I would hear people talking about suspension, but never got it eventually I got the suspension and I was like holy cannolis like I I felt that but I, I still didn't feel it the way I was supposed to I remember when I was working with a with a person prior to Joe and um prior to that this person would ask me hey what are you feeling out there and I'm like well the bike turns that's about it right and I, I didn't I didn't get it well, lo and behold, I actually joined racing where I, you know, you drop like three to four seconds in your first race weekend, depending where you're at. And I actually felt my rear spinning. I heard, I felt my, my rear coming up, my front just sliding. Now, when I got the question again, I'm like, I'm feeling this, 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 and this, you know, and like, it's an overload of information that you're giving out. So now when you're seeing the pros talk about it, I'm like, oh, this is what they mean when they're like this, this, and blah, you know, like you get it right and now i'm like okay now that i'm feeling this and it's making me uncomfortable we were able to make changes um and that's how i landed with joe and how he impressed me right i was having some issues uh both of my tires were off and i was getting some new rubber um and he was working with john hawkins right so amazing guy and i was just i was like hey man do you mind if i ask you a couple of questions you know John has mentioned you and Joe was like, sure. I, he came over to my pit and he told me, uh, so what are you feeling? Well, don't you want to see my tires? And he's like, nope, what are you feeling? I tell him, hey, over the hump, I'm feeling this, or actually no, it's turn four in Grand Raceway. Here's what I'm feeling. And here's what I'm feeling out of Tembi, which is, you know, there he's like, well, they're completely opposite things. And if I fix four, I'm messing up. 10B. If I fix 10B, I'm messing up four. He just scratched his chin, looked at it. He did two clicks on my front and like one click on the rear. Super simple or like a couple of clicks. Yeah. No tires, no nothing. And it was like butter the next day. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you're, you're, um, I'll work with you for from now on. So for sure. It's just, you know, he, He's been doing it for so long and his son has been doing it for so long. Um, their mm -hmm. wealth of knowledge is, uh, is great to have as such a great resource. I actually talked to him yesterday. Um, we, we had a toast to Todd Thomas uh, funeral over at oh, the yeah. township. And uh, uh, there's a great gathering there, man, like almost 200 people I want to say were there and just oh, a lot wow. of, a lot of love for him and the community. And um, but yeah, it was, it was good to see Joe and a lot of other people there. Um, to uh, commemorate his his uh, his life and what his legacy, you know, with sport bike track time, he was one of the co-founders, um, yeah. and been around the track for a long time. Heard great things about him. You know, I I want to say we might have crossed paths. You know, I've been riding with sport bike track time for for as long as I've been on the track. Of course, you know, a little over uh, I'll to say six years maybe. Um, been coaching with him going to my second second third year second two years. So, I mean, what I'm hearing from, you know, other individuals, you know, whether you're a student or a staff member is that he was just an amazing guy. So it's sad to see the good people go, but 
you know, that's, that's life is nature. And hopefully he's, he's riding in heaven. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And now racing's kind of done for the year. All the series are over. It's like, what are we going to go watch on TV now? How are we going to go entertain ourselves? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, my weekends, I literally in the summer, I had every single weekend booked. Uh, I was at a track or, um, you know, doing something with the family. And I mean, I'm now just watching, catching up with the racing, to be so honest. Going back me. and so, watching the old, old rounds. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I might, I'm doing the super sport class of 600 just because it's, it's, again, what I'm doing my homework on. I could watch Moto2 all over again, but I don't have a Moto2 bike, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick to the, uh, to the 600s. And I usually watch a race per cycling day. So I know you're big into road bikes. And uh, again, we follow each other on, on Instagram. So you can see my, my posts of uh, uh, World SBK and then my bike. And that's what I'm doing. Every time I watch a race, I just start pedaling from the beginning to the end of the race. And, and that's how I'm getting my workout in while I'm doing yeah. my work. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I thought about this a long time ago, and it still sticks with me. Every time you're watching a sporting event and you're sitting on the couch, they're getting better while you're getting fatter, right? So I'm like, yeah, why do, I should be working out while I'm watching this. And so I got rollers right over here, actually, right next to me. Uh, I got some Cyclops aluminum rollers, and then I just put it in my bedroom, actually. And then uh, right next to my, I got a wall on one side, and then I got a bed on the other. So if I go either way, I'm not going to fall. <laughs> There you go. Because <laughs> my TV is like offset. So if I'm looking at it, it's like I'm looking to the side and then you kind of you forget where you, you're going. You go where you, you look. You go where you look. So that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, you're, you're a big rider. Are you uh, how many about about how many miles do you do uh, uh, annually? So I don't know. That's that's it's hard to say this. This past summer, again, I, I didn't ride my road bike as much. But like when I was really have the ability to do it i i do a ride every year that is 50 miles and i go down to uh, columbus ohio and i do that through my company is uh to raise funds for cancer research yeah so i know for sure i do 50 miles one day other than that i do about 14 miles um at least three times a week okay so yeah it's, it's not bad you know it's not consistent every single week but when i do ride it's you know like a week on and then two weeks off for whatever reason and then back at it consistently yeah i've never done the math but 14 miles is like my i have a specific loop that i do and that just works great for me um yeah i mean i, I like to do a lot of cycling myself this is actually one of the First years I haven't hit a thousand miles. Um, wow. I usually do at least a thousand miles of cycling and running combined mm-hmm. um, every year uh, or more um, since uh, probably about 2012 or 2013. So for the last few years, I've been uh, pretty steady with that. But I fell off this year because I've been doing so much uh, <laughs> corner working and track marshaling. You know, I would usually do a lot of my riding on the weekends, and now I'm at the racetrack working. So that kind of yeah, yeah. down my riding time quite a bit my excuse um but, but uh <laughs> that's but also, really what know, it is it's an, excuse. it's an excuse for sure it is uh but i've been still staying fit i've been doing a lot of hot yoga um i actually um just looked at my account um a couple of days ago i've been doing over 120 the last couple of years 120 uh-huh. 60 to 90 minute hot yoga session so it's like 105 degrees in there 
Uh, and you're just standing on a mat, but my heart rate is 180 beats per minute at, at one point during the standing series, because you're like doing a standing leg, uh, foot out while you're standing. It's like this, like, this is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that, because I, um, I have a couple of friends who are actual yoga instructors and whatnot, and they always joke and say, hey, try this pose. I, I guess they're playing a joke on me just to see if I can do it. Yeah. And it is hard, man. Like yoga is amazing for stability and just stamina. For you sure. Fun of a yoga person all you want, but they will kick your butt when it comes to stamina. <laughs> oh, yeah. And one of the reasons I do it is because, you know, the heat, um, the heat work. If you can, um, if you're going to be racing in a hot leather suit in the middle mm -hmm. of summer in Florida, um, you better be prepared for that heat wise. So you got to just condition your mind. A lot of it's the mental side of it. Cause I want to get out of that room. Like I can't, my, my heart's racing. My mind's racing. You got that monkey mind going on, but you got to just power through it. You got to, uh, put it away and just focus on what you're doing and, um, just get rid of the, the distractions sometimes. So. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I remember the first weekend I ever raised is, it's different, and I just almost puked inside of my helmet. It's so know? hot, just like, overwhelming uh, heat. No, it was just just you're not used to going in a track day. You go, and if you're oh. like I'm tired, you you slow down, and you're never just going. But yeah. in a race, you have adrenaline. You're just going. Um, you're a little bit more tense, and and on the cool down lap when the race was over, I was like, oh my god, I'm like I'm about to puke, or you know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but now after I've done some cycling, so I used to, I was usually around 215 pounds, uh, you know, 5'10", used to be 5, I'm 5'10", used to be around 210. Um, I was, a, you know, I was all right in terms of, of being fit, but it was still, still a lot of weight, yeah, you know, yeah. and then I started um, as a joke with, with, with some coworkers, they were doing um, Weight Watchers. And they were doing the whole point thing. I was like, oh, well, I, I want to be part of the group, but I'm not paying for it. So tell me what you guys do and I'll join. Like, I'll hang out with you. I was miserable for the first couple of weeks. They would show up with like four points and I would be all proud and like, oh, how many points do I have? And they're like 15. <laughs> well, even as a joke, I was still cutting down my portions and I managed to drop down to like 175, 180. Okay. I was cycling, eating healthier, less junk food, and and just um, you know eating dinner a little bit earlier. So everybody thought I was dying or something because I, I shaved a few pounds. But when it came to racing, holy crap, my stamina was there. I was not tired. I got faster. You know, there's, there's less weight for you to carry on the bike, and yeah. it, but it was a stamina, man. So yoga cycling things like that is actually what i do versus you know heavy lifting now for sure you know i i do i probably should do more weightlifting, but i do very little weightlifting because you don't really need to um do tons of squats to ride a motorcycle i mean maybe it helps with your stamina <laughs> for your legs but um yeah. you know my my thing is always tons of cardio um yoga and i just started doing um Orange Theory. I've been doing it a little bit for a while. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like a no, no. Orange Theory's. Um, I guess it's a franchise. They're popping up all over the place. Um, like a studio that you go to, and um, it's not heated. It's actually pretty cool in there because uh, you start to sweat really quick. But it's a okay. in high intensity interval based training. They don't sponsor oh, me at all. Wow. 
I just like to go there. Um, uh, I do four classes a, a month and there's a, a running or if you don't want to run, there's cycling. There's a cycling machine in there um, and then rowing. And then there's a, a weight section. So it's a, a group based class. So you got maybe 30 people in there or more and they give you a heart rate monitor you wear on your arm so you can see your heart rate on the screen next to everybody else's. So it's like a, um, a racing for It's kind of competitive. They give you points. Like if you're, their whole theory is that if you're in the top two heart rate zones, orange and red, um, zone four and five, that you get the best bang for your buck. So if you're in those zones the longest period of time, then you get more points, which is kind of like, I don't know if that's the best way to do it because if you're just really out of shape, you'd, you'd be in those zones anyways, right? Because you right. don't have good stamina. And it kind of, I mean, I don't try to mess with the data, but you could have like a pre-workout beforehand and you're just, your heart rate spikes. So, okay. you know, but I, I look at it as like, I'm just going to work my hardest and uh, see if I can get it up there the longest. Um, Maybe you're paying for it. I'm sure there's, there's an ultimate goal. So you don't want yeah. to you know, manipulate the data and then not get your money's worth. So right. hope, yeah. right? <laughs> for sure. And actually I don't even use that wristband anymore because you got to buy that. I just have my own, you know, fitness watch. So yeah. I just do it on my own, but everybody mostly everybody else has it up on the screen and it's kind of nice to look at see where you're at with the whole uh the rest of the group because you can see some people are in the red some people are still in the green you know oh yeah everybody goes to their own pace there's people who just walk or people who are sprinting at their their fastest 12 miles an hour you know it's like this guy's going for it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i like the uh the rowing aspect that's something i haven't been doing a lot of and uh it's a good kind of all body workout you get your back your legs your your neck your arms you know a little bit of everything okay so been doing that uh so i got usually two or three fitness classes a week and then i've been trying to trying to just do stuff on my own here but i I really do like the yoga for me because uh you do a lot of over your head motions like where you're doing this and with me having dislocated both shoulders multiple times um, it's good workouts that I wouldn't normally do on my own. Yeah, I, those are great. I actually tore my rotator cuff, uh, twice. One, it was snowboarding and the other one was a crash at road America. Um, so for me, I do have like the mobility, um, but it hurts like after a certain point. And then when you're racing and you're, and you're putting a lot of stress on your shoulder, like I, I feel it. Yeah. And it, it gets better. Um, I have this weird routine that i just do 20 pushups 20 pushups every night and i'll never forget how bad it was when i first started after my tear but now the more you do it the better it gets yeah i can only imagine if i actually like stretch out more often how (laughs) much better it would be but but yeah mobility is is huge in the sport if you don't have it and you just people always make fun of the guy who's stretching on the track day uh not on the race day because all racers kind of like you get it you you need to stretch but on the track day they're like oh what's that guy he's not even that old i'm like <laughs> it's not about well, being old yeah it's, it's about knowing what's you know what's in store if you don't stretch you know yeah i've yeah. tore a hamstring before you know after that i'm like i am not running without you know doing my stretches yeah and my dad's you know complaining oh my my legs are like did you stretch no well <laughs> i don't feel bad then <laughs> right that's for sure for sure. But, uh, you know, sometimes you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. 
man, tell me about it. Tell me about it. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I get, I get my, uh, my cardio and my stretching in here and there, you know, I, I got a beautiful family. I got two, two young boys and, and a wife. So I, the first thing when I get home, my, my, uh, my oldest, he just like tag, you're right. And I'm like, crap. And then I just got to chase him. So yeah. that's usually how I'm getting my cardio and, uh, here <laughs> and there. My, yeah. Mobilities and whatnot. So, so that's, it's good. It's not bad. So how's the, how's the family? Tell me about your, uh, your home life a little bit. Um, great. You know, um, wife is, is, is awesome. She's, she actually fixes stuff, uh, around the house. Uh, most people on the track know her because <laughs> she, uh, we, we do go to track days and racing together. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, pretty supportive, uh, pretty supportive, too supportive, man. Like sometimes I, I tell her, I was like, do not support me in buying this. <laughs> I do not need more parts. Um, so she's great. You know, she's, she's all in for, for what I like um is is great to see my um my oldest boy also have you know create friendships on the on the racetrack so that's that's pretty cool so that's that makes it even more special whenever we're doing a track day uh on race race days i'll be honest is um it's distracting having the family there yeah <laughs> um but i just tell her i was like just get out of the way and i just move my uh my canopy a little bit down uh and then my my youngest you know he's he's just the boss you know he's just he hangs around all day. <laughs> That's good. And uh, I saw one of your kids uh, learn how to ride a bike recently, something like that, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't recent. And it was, uh, and this is another reason why I love the track, right? Because um, he has his friend, his, his, his little friends of his, his name is Sebastian, right? They, we, we usually pit next to each other whenever we're, we're at a track day. And whatever he does, he wants to do, right? So I was trying to get my kiddo to ride a bike forever, a balancing bike to begin with. He was like, I don't like that one. I like the trike, you know, because obviously it's more stable. Easier, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, lo and behold, right? One day his buddy's riding a trike on the track and not a trike, but uh, a balancing bike. He picks it up and he does it. And then I've been trying to get him to ride a, a bicycle Lo and behold, he doesn't get it, right? And one day I'm at the track setting up and I'm like freaking out because he was like near me and he wasn't. I'm like, hey, where does, you know, so-and-so go? I'm asking my wife, where is he at? And, he, and she's like, he's riding a bike. I'm like, what do you mean? He doesn't know how to ride a bike. Yeah. He's like, nope. He says, hey, I'm going to go ride a bike with Sebastian, my friend. Um, and his name is Caleb. And I'm like, Caleb doesn't know how to ride a bike. He's probably falling head first somewhere yeah nope he comes around the corner and i'm like like every typical dad get your phone out like <laughs> you know, like so so yeah man he learned to ride the bike on the track he didn't even include me after all my efforts <laughs> uh and it was just a beautiful sight man so. that's great to see you know someone uh, able to share your passion yeah you know and it's funny because as a parent you I don't, I don't know. You know, some people you, you want your kid to, to like what you like, but at the same time, you're like, Ooh, man, if you crash, <laughs> I, it, it doesn't settle the same. Like if I crash, I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, seeing your kid crash, which he has on his bikes. Um, it's a little bit different. I like that. He likes it. He's got to make sure he's wearing his gear all the time. For sure. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. that's the savior. You know, I've, I've crashed myself a dozen times on the track, but never had a cut or an abrasion because of all the gear. I mean, uh, 
Yeah. As long as you don't hit something, you're pretty much going to be all right. <laughs> well, if you hit something, you're you could be all right. I actually got an exhaust right on the top of the helmet once in Audubon. Somebody lost it. Oh it man. Was a, it was a very expensive exhaust. That's what somebody told me, but um, somebody rode over the exhaust and they broke it in half and then it came like the long way and it actually carved a hole in my in the top Ooh. of my helmet. Jeez. When it hit me, I literally saw little stars for a hot second. Yeah. And I was like, don't pass out, don't pass <laughs> out. Uh, and then when I was like, okay, I'm feeling okay. I was like, how oh, the pros do this? And I just kept riding. Yeah. When I came back in, and I was, you know, ready for my next, you know, for the next time that I needed to go out. And I see, I was like, what the heck? You can actually put your finger through it. Oh, man. So um, definitely wear your gear uh, because that thing, if it would have hit me anywhere else or I would have not had a gear, it, I would have been gone, you know? So, sure. But yeah, if, if something hits you, you can still do all right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And just don't hit anything else uh, if you can. Those stationary no. objects. I hit a bird once, so <laughs> something else. Oh, man. Yeah, um, there was one time I got it on film. There was a, a Blackhawk was swooped down on the track at Blackhawk Farms, and uh, I almost hit it with my bike. He swooped up right as soon as I was flying on the main straightaway. It was a close one. That's uh, scary, man. That's, <laughs> that's scary. Same thing for turtles. You know, a gratin, you get that, and you get other animals, but um they make it a point don't kick the turtles because they will slice you open yeah yeah oh yeah there's, there's, <laughs> the turtle shell is uh pretty hard at 60 miles an hour yeah anything really even the wind <laughs> definitely definitely um so where can people find you online you're on instagram i am on instagram um is my last name which is herrera h-e-r-r-e-r-a underscore e-n um, you can follow me on there. I don't post as much as I, as most famous people, you know, I just put stuff about, you know, bike life, if you want to call it that and just whatever I find hilarious at the time. So that's where I'm at. For sure. Are you a video creator? Are you on YouTube? Uh, I am a YouTube and I'm not a video creator. I now upload raw data just for me to be able to go back, watch it, have the memories. I tried the whole YouTube studio, but it, it takes time, man. So like what what you do uh, with editing the podcast or videos, it's amazing because it's not as easy as people think. So well, thank there's, you. there's a lot into it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a work. It's a work in progress. But, you know, I don't do a ton of editing. I just I throw in the, the quick animation in the beginning, copy and paste it, put it in the, in the, at the end. <laughs> and then uh, I cut out like the first few seconds when we're logging on and then at the end, just the dead time. So I, that's really yeah. all that edit. And maybe if there's a bathroom break or something, yeah. but I just keep it raw. Uh, but even that, you know, you still got to render the video. You got to make an MP4 file for YouTube. You got to make a, a wave audio and then convert it into an MP3 at a lower resolution. So it can be uploaded to Anchor. And then from Anchor, it goes to Spotify and Stitcher and Deezer and Apple iTunes and all the other ones. Uh, maybe Pandora. I'm not sure if it's on Pandora. But, um, That's why I'm not a content creator as of right now. <laughs> and then and then I got to take the video, the, the long video, and splice it into, into two parts for Instagram TV and put that oh, into yeah. a 720p so it's a lower quality and then upload that one. So you got to upload 
and then I make a photo post with all the photos just uh, um, on Instagram and that goes to Facebook too. So it's like six posts uh, for one for one podcast. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, it's a lot of work, you know, so got my time pretty occupied a little bit with work, family, you know, writing. Um, now I should probably create some content. <laughs> well, you'll be on YouTube with this anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to help promote people and, you know, get people interested in the sport. Hopefully uh, some people are still watching by now. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, like I remember being a first time track rider or end racer, you know, the, the main thing we got to do is actually just tell people, come on, like, I'll help you pit with me. I'll just don't let it scare you. You know, I always bring people from the street riding because I, I still do some level of street riding. I'm like, I, I'll give you the gear, like not give it to you, but like I'll loan you the gear. We'll find somebody. We have a group here in West Michigan, which is called Team Kind of Fast that is it's just a forum where a lot of people go in and you say hey we have a new person we need to gather you know here are his measure his or her measurements let's gather some gear and get him on track and this uh sport bike track time is kind enough that they usually give you the first day for free oh that's awesome yeah so uh i'm not sure they they, they're still consistent with that practice but i want to say yes um and hey just get your first dose right there when it goes to racing, it can be a little bit more intimidating. And usually what I say is just come out, watch, or let's let's spend a weekend and I'll just walk you through the whole process, you know, and, and then join. Like whatever you need, I will wake up with you. I will go to registration with you. Uh, and Wear has a really nice program. I mean, if you bring in a racer, they give you, I think it's a $50 credit. So the, there is a reward for you to, you know, for you to bring more people in with, addition, with the additional reward of a racer is always going to be safer on a track day or any other scenario. You know, when I, when I bring people into racing, when they go back on track, I feel comfortable with that person being next to me or passing that person. They won't freak out. They get it. They got faster, better technique. We have more open conversations about how we can improve versus i'm an a i don't need to talk to you or i'm a novice i'm intimidated to talk to you right um it's such a different mentality when you become a racer and you go back to track days it's like you've seen the light and you came back and you're you're uh better for it yeah well it's funny you say that because when i first got bumped to the advanced group i thought it was a race and (laughs) i'll never forget when i went out there and i was like just gotta go and one of my strongest suits is, is is breaking and I was just trying to stuff people, you know, not trying intentionally, but I was just like getting in the way of people. And I almost T-boned a couple of people because I was going so fast and people were just, hey, I don't need to go full speed on this turn. So, um, and then when I made it to racing where you can actually go fast, you realize like, buddy, you weren't going fast, you know, um, yeah. now we're all going fast. Um, and then going back to track days, I'm so much more, respectful and i make it a point not to scare people and you know and and i tell myself it's not a race um and it it was different in pit race though i have this quick story here for you i'm not sure what your time frame looks like but we got time uh, uh in pit race it's a different org that i went to ride with it was n2 track days yeah so i have been racing for you know three years give and take right um and then this year is my first time at pit race um 
when they're in April and they their rules are a little bit different, you have to start either a novice or write them prove that you're experienced experience enough to get bumped to I. I made it to I, it was great, worked with some coaches. It was a good weekend. Um, the following time that I was there, it was for a race and I'm like, man, I need to get bumped up so I can go fast. And it only took me a weekend to be able to run, you know, head of the pack in, in, in I. I'm like, okay, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. And I told one, you know, one of the coaches was following me um, because I asked him to, and he was like, oh man, you gotta work on your passing. I'm like, I'm like, this is I, I'm, I thought I was supposed to like be respectful. You know, that's, that's all. He's like, no, if you work on your passing, you'd be okay. I'm like, got it. So that was the only time that I was not respectful of passing after I went back out. Yeah. And it was just, I actually ended up losing the instructor, you know, um, because obviously I was just making race passes. <laughs> yeah. But I can guarantee you, I saw some people like stand up and I looked back a couple of times and <laughs> I was not, it was not welcome. Right. So um, definitely didn't like, don't like doing passes like that, but I, that's the only time that I was a little bit racy on a track day. Sure. Everybody gets in that, in that zone sometimes. You're like, I want to yeah. get by them. You know, I did a Jason DeSalvo Speed Academy at Barber a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, their instructors couldn't keep up with me. Um, and so Jason had to go out and follow me himself. Um, and that was kind of a surreal moment when, you know, their, uh, their expert instructors couldn't follow. But, um, hey, what's going on? This is Kayla. Uh, how's it going? My friend. Nice to meet you. Um, so, yeah. so, yeah, it's just uh, it's cool to go out there and get that stuff on video. And um, I think I had that on YouTube somewhere. I must have passed like 12 guys a lap. But wow. it's, a tra- it's a track day. You know, so it's it's different. I'm not trying to pass everybody. I'm just trying to do my lap, and they're in my way, so I gotta get by him. <laughs> true, true. I mean, as as long as you have it in your head, you know, like here's where I'm at. It's a track day, and here's the race. Yeah, it's great because in a race, I I would usually people would usually tell us like, oh, that was a close pass. I'm like, hey, but with both up, you know, luckily, you know, I'm sorry if I, but it, it's racing, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel proud that I've never made anybody actually crash from any contact that was made. No one has ever gone down. Um, it's that everybody always kept it up. Uh, one time, uh, I'll tell you a story of my worst start ever. Uh, I, I dropped my, I dropped the clutch on the start and I stole my bike way before oh, the flag was even coming. Uh, but it was too close to the flag to where I put my hand up and then the flag went, you know? So. Oh, wow. Expert field goes by. This is at Grattan going counterclockwise in a stock 1000 race, I think it was, um, on a 600. Novice field goes by me, and then I go right. It's a. It, I don't think it was a two-way race. I think it was just all one, and uh, but with a gap. And so I'm just stuck on the grid. The whole field went by me, and uh, I ended up is an eight lap sprint race. So not a whole lot of time to come through, but it mm-hmm. wasn't a huge grid. Maybe. I don't know, 20, 25 people max. And I, I had passed every single person leading out of the last turn, but I think it was Eric Smith. Uh, well, he didn't draft me. He dragged, he motored me to the line and got first place. And I got second place with, I think Steve Palella right behind me on 1000. So, um, but man, right after that race, one of the novice dads came up to me and he wasn't mad at all. He was actually pretty excited. He was like, 
You passed my son so fast. He said he shit his pants when you came by, man. You didn't do anything wrong, but he was like, that was so close and so fast that he was like, wow. He was like, thank you almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, my closest pass that I scared myself was at Grattan Raceway going clockwise uh, between six and seven. Yeah. I'm not, that's right over the hump. Yeah, that's a really fast. I think in one of your podcasts, you mentioned how you came in the inside of um, Rick Lynn. Rick Lynn, yeah. So it was actually on the switchback that I passed somebody, and that gets really tight really quick. Um, All right. Hey, welcome back. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I don't know if my is my computer or my Wi-Fi went out, but I think I'm back now. Okay. And, all right. <laughs> We're back. So, yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> Doesn't usually happen. I'm actually wired in now. I got a, I was wired in before Ethernet cable. So, it might be the weather. It's snowing over here pretty good. Yeah, we, we got a little bit. It was just sleet, just sleet, I think it was, but not bad. Yeah. So, you're on West Side, Michigan. Uh, you're probably used to a little bit more snow than we are. I'm in Metro Detroit. So, just north yeah. of Detroit. We have the good old fashioned uh, lake effect, but I don't mind it to be honest with you. You know, um, you know, just a little bit about me. I'm originally from the uh, Caribbean, Dominican okay. Republic. So uh, everybody tells me, "Oh, you know, like this must be horrible." I'm like, "No, I just got snow pants and a coat, and I'm okay." You know, like it's yeah. you adapt. It's kind of like when you go to the Caribbeans. What do you wear? Do you wear like a suit, or you know, or do you wear shorts and a you know light shirt? So same thing here. For sure, yeah. Are you a big uh, snow biker, snow biking or fat tire bike? No, um, I just never really got into it. Um, or never really, I haven't even tried it to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I have ridden a bike in the snow. It sucks, but I'm sure <laughs> with the right tool or slash bike is yeah. great. Uh, but no, just on the winter is just snowboarding, and that's about it, man. Yeah, I, I was a snowboarder for many years. I. Uh, I was I haven't snowboarded in a couple of years now but um I used to do the Dearborn Heights Ski and Snowboard Club which was uh from probably when I was in fourth grade so what nine years old to um end of high school senior year I was like almost every weekend uh snowboarding um then I got into like hockey and, and soccer more and I mean, those are different types of the times of the year but uh hockey you know during the winter was uh took over a lot of stuff and uh got into varsity hockey and, and, uh, rode the bench most of the time, but, um, it was fun. It was a good time. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of learning experience. You know, I was, uh, getting into hockey, ice hockey, very late. I had played soccer for a dozen years. I played, uh, played roller hockey most of my life, but then I didn't own ice skates until like my, uh, my, my high school days. So, I had skated, I remember, like a handful of times on ice, like five or six times I had skated on ice before I tried out for hockey, for varsity, oh, wow. varsity hockey, and I made the team, but, uh, <laughs> awesome. you know, it was just uh, so much learning experience for me because there was a triple-A guy on the team, and I'm like this guy who's never skated on ice before, so um, I knew how to play, it's just learning the whole new uh, new surface. It's, and new, it's different. It's very different. different. You're well, stopping different. You're, you're turning different, you're stopping different, but I knew the mechanics of it, you know, so I picked it up pretty quick, but um, I got an award, I think, for one of the years, hardest working or most improved or something like that, because I would go 
I would, I would do the hockey practice right after school and then realize like, I, I don't have the stamina for this. I I'm not in hockey shape. So I go home and run six miles after practice, you know, and, and just that mentality, I took that with me into racing and, um, you know, you just got to give it your all and, and things like that being the underdog. I was always the underdog with hockey. I didn't have, uh, you know, the history of playing it, uh, ice hockey at least. And then with racing, I started racing my numbers 20. So I started racing when I was 20. Most okay. of the guys have been doing it for years before that. So I was always the underdog, low budget, but uh, I'm going to show you what I can do. And uh, 50 podiums to my name so far ain't too bad. Not at all, man. I need to uh, figure out how, how I'm going to get my wall as, as good as you, you know? I just got it. Well, these were all in the attic for years. I was like, I don't know where to put them. You know, I've been, um, so I, I got a piece of wood and just put some nails into it, screws into it and just hung them up that way. And then all the ones on the sides are like mountain biking or cycling or yeah. uh, running foot races or Tough Mudders. I got some, which side is it? Tough Mudders up there. Did, okay. uh, four Tough Mudders so far. Um, it's trying to do yeah, all I, sorts of stuff. I got to figure mine out. So um, I, I have them in, in this, I don't know what to call it, in, in the shelves here that my wife built. But um, I want to do like a wall with trophies, but she redecorates too much. And I don't think I, I'm allowed to put it on the wall. So um, I have your own spot in the house, right? I do. I did. Well, allegedly, this is my office where I'm at. But uh, lo and behold, you know, like somehow, like, I ended up with toys, you know, so. <laughs> I mean, you got to take a break every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. You know, it's entertaining, except when I actually have to, like, work from home sometimes. Um, you know, they're like, hey, man, you're, you're in my space. And I'm like, nah, bro, you're in my space. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, I've been working from home now, too. I'm trying to do uh, selling parts online full time right now. So um, right now I have, I think it's 34 brands of parts from Akasato, uh, braking parts to works racing part brake pads a uh, little bit of everything a lot of italian sport bike parts we're uh we're a moto d dealer and they're an importer of italian parts as well so uh, a lot of bonamici and um, dna air filters from greece so if you ever need any parts um i can help you out and get you get you what you need from lap timers uh driven racing exhaust i got the four exhaust brands okay. for, for motorcycles cars and trucks I need to get, I need to pick your brain for Starlings. I know um, they're huge in Europe, right? So yeah. uh, everybody's going to AIM. I know when you last spoke uh, to, to Billy Ball, uh, he was switching from Starlings back to AIM because everybody has data and, and, and whatnot. But I'm like, I don't know. Cost is still a factor to me, right? And I used to have a Moto D uh, lap timer, but I don't use lap timers anymore because I'm like, what's the point i'm not gonna win anything but you you kind of want to know your times here and there but i'm like if it's not a race i just try not to concentrate on the times but i want a lap timer so bad so i want to i want to hear from you how's the um the star lanes i think there's the corsaro or something like that that yeah corsair r there's a couple different models they have uh, bike specific models as well for certain certain bikes that you can plug in plug and play right to your data Mm -hmm. um, I think it's awesome, man. I just bought a Starlane myself, um, and you can use it for any course. You can make your own courses. Um, okay. A lot of people are going to the AIMS, but I mean, data is data. You can get the same information from both units. Um, and yeah. so if you're looking to save some money, there's nothing wrong with the Starlane. It's just a different 
uh, brand that's maybe just, uh, I think it's more used overseas. So a lot of these parts are fantastic. Like Bonamici, for example, is uh, they make hard parts, rear sets. Most people don't know what Bonamici is, um, yeah. right? Most people have never heard of it, um, but it's used on Valentino Rossi's bikes. So, I mean, it's not bad stuff. And in fact, it's the choice of a nine time world champion. So um, there's gotta be something to set, set about that. Yeah, I mean, even the tires, uh, Metzler's is huge and is widely used over in, in, in Europe. Um, but here, you know, you, you rarely see that on the track. Yeah, so I think it's great. Um, obviously, I sell it. I'm a little biased, but um, <laughs> yeah, man, I think it's good. I've, I've used it for a car track day. I had it uh, in the glove compartment because I didn't have anywhere to mount it to. I, I need to get a mount for it. Um, okay, and I want to use it at, uh, for like for um, mountain biking, I want to put it on my bicycle and make a, a course and see if I can do, if I can make my own course with that. And because uh, I made my own trail in the backyard here, I got, got my own mountain bike course. I got a little oh, bit bored wow. during the pandemic, just like a half mile trail I built um, in the, I got a little forested woods area behind my house. So um, I like to go out there and do some lap times uh, when the snow's not on the ground. Man, you <laughs> definitely used your time wisely in the pandemic, you know. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, man. It was just a lot of work. That was it. <laughs> um, I've just been working on uploading all these products. You know, I have a couple thousand listed so far online uh, okay. through e eBay and Amazon and my own websites and um, just trying to list them all for sale. Lately, I've been working on Revit, Revit motorcycle gear. Um, I have oh, yeah. that, that brand. They have suits and jackets and boots and pants and a lot of casual apparel. They have, you know, gloves and t-shirts, polos. It's, it's wild about, uh, 4,300 unique items I'm working on for that brand, so. Yeah, I can only imagine, because I mean, you have like one part that has different colors, different sizes. I mean, when you look at it, it's, it's, it's a yeah, lot yeah. of combinations. For sure, it's, um, you know, they have all the, yeah, just like you're saying, all the colors and sizes, trying to get them all right in Excel. Uh, yeah. Every single every single item is one row, and one item could be, I was just looking, up to 80, 80 columns. Um, a lot of those are generic values, so you don't have to fill out each, every single one, but sure, you got to do all the sizing and all the colors and, and, uh, the pricing. I figured out pretty, pretty, uh, detailed Excel work with doing, um, Pay index match formulas and, uh, just grabbing data from this sheet and putting it in here based on a barcode. It's like, oh my goodness. Um. It's a lot of pivot table that you're doing at the end of the day. And it's just, it's a, it's a lot of data, man. And or just converting one stuff. cell. It yeah. only takes one cell and it messes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Now eBay is telling me, um, I have to add more item specifics that are required. You can't, they're not optional anymore. So like for gloves, you have to say what material is it? Is it leather or textile? I got to do that for, thousands of products you know it's not like you can just put one one generic uh, value on everything it's it's different for every for jackets you got to put on like size type or whatever you know everything's different so taking forever but the end result is i hopefully will not have to work for anybody else anymore yeah that sounds like a great deal man so keep at it shipping products and uh a lot of them were the parts that i use too which is pretty cool okay so it's pretty awesome Heck yeah. So we got about an hour and 23 minutes. Uh, probably wrap it up. And uh, I got one more. I got a post before I get to yours. I just did one yesterday with uh, Jack Roach. So we talked uh, 
for about the same amount of time. And uh, he's going to over to British Superbike next year. So he'll be in oh, really? there. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I was, uh, I wonder how he's going to do. I know Brandon Pash, um, he was out there as well. Um, he did all right. I think he injured himself or, and he was out for a round or two, but, um, but I want to follow some of those series that are just very competitive and that you get some people here from the States that get to go out there. So you can see their journey, man. That's this is awesome that we can actually see it nowadays. Yeah, it's exciting then watching them grow up and uh, become professional racers. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, man, just sharing the track with those guys. I shared the track at pit race with, um, I think it was Rocco Landers. Uh, that was He was in the same race. Obviously, I wasn't yeah. near him, but I was like, on the outlap, I was close to him. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, awesome, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny because in, in the S's, I was like, holy crap, that guy's about to crash. No, that he's just carrying speed and he's he's doing his thing, you know. So it's you learn, you learn. Sure. And it's a good experience. Heck yeah. All right. So uh I guess that should be about it for today. Um, I'm gonna get this edited and posted. Make sure we tag anybody we talked about, and I'll talk to you real soon, man. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Eric. Have a good yeah. one, man. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Yep.